0: love that song, the power of Christ in us, changing us. Um, God created us to be in relationship with him. So we're going to see this morning as we look into his word. And so I want to join us together as a church uh, to God by praying about those relationships with him and within our midst. So would you join me, please? God, we thank you so much, Uh, more than words can say, for the reality that you pursued us when we didn't deserve it, when we weren't even looking for it, you demonstrate, the Bible tells us, your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, still running our own way, Christ died for us. Your pursuit was costly. You laid down everything to be in relationship with us, to reunite us with yourself, when we weren't asking for it, didn't deserve it. God, we celebrate that relationship that you died to establish with us. We celebrate your love every Sunday morning. We thank you for making a way to include us as part of your family, connecting us with God as our Father and with one another as brothers and sisters. And God, I pray this morning that within the the sphere of our own church, that that would be the experience of more and more of us even today. For those that have joined us, either here uh, on campus, in person, or on our live stream, who maybe don't even have a relationship with you yet, perhaps have questions, uh, concerns, um, reservations about Christianity or about religion, God, we thank you that they are here. We pray that you you would cause them to experience your love through your people, that you are a pursuing and inviting God. I pray also for those who, who may feel a bit on the outside, perhaps because they're new to our church or perhaps they've been around for a while, but for whatever reasons, maybe just feel like they're not sure if they, if they really fit, if, if this, if your church can be a place for them. And Father God, we know your heart and we pray that your heart would define our church life. We pray that they would find people who care for them, who will walk with them just as we all need people who care for us and walk with us because you have cared for us and came to walk with us. Father, for those of us that are here and already established as we're growing in our faith, I pray that you would give us a greater heart to see the people around us, the way that we have been seen by others and by you, the way that you see people around us. God, I pray that you would increase our burden to serve in our church, not simply as a means to fill slots or volunteer and help out, but as a platform to connect with other people, to serve alongside others who are serving, to build relationship, to uh, usher and greet and participate in small groups and teach Sunday school classes as a means to connect with other people. God, give us the eyes to see one another the way you see us. I pray that even as we attend our church services, even as we participate in the activities of this church, you would help us to do that with an eye for those we don't yet know and a desire to be in relationship. And last but not least, God, I pray for those longing to be known, but maybe afraid of showing the real them. God, for whatever realities exist in our past, in our present, that we think may exist in our future, where there is doubt or shame or hurt or any number of things that can make us afraid to show who we really are. God, I pray that you would give every one of us a connection with a person whose heart is shaped by you. You know it all. You came after us while we were still sinners and running away from you. And so, God, I pray that you would bring every person into connection with someone today who will love them and serve them and accept them and desire to walk with them as we point one another toward you. God, may we be a place that helps people find and follow Jesus. For the glory of your name and the good of all people, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And team, I appreciate you guys leading us this morning. Uh, Pastor Bruce is on a well-deserved vacation this week, and I'll be delighted to tell him when he gets back, we didn't need him. We did just fine without him. (laughs) Actually, he'll be delighted to hear that. Um, So thank you guys for leading us. They will come back a little bit later and close out our service with song. At this point, we want to turn our attention to hearing from God. We open up the Bible every Sunday and, and just seek to exposit it. That's the fancy word, to explain it, to see what God is saying in the Bible and how that maybe relates to and shapes us. And at this stage in the life of our church, we are refocusing with a fresh energy on kind of the heart of God's calling on us to be a church of disciples who make disciples. Uh, That's the New Testament language. That's the language Jesus used. Basically, in a nutshell, discipling or helping people become disciples is simply helping people find and follow Jesus. That's God's heart in a nutshell. That's what we're called to. That's what we're focusing on. What does that mean? How do we do that? We're actually halfway through uh, eight weeks that we're focusing on that topic. The whole first half of this sermon series was kind of on the the what and the why. Like, what is this discipling thing all about? And so we took that kind of phrase, helping one another find and follow Jesus. And we've unpacked that in kind of man-on-the-street language, posted all of those services on our website. I'd encourage you to go back and see them if you missed out on them. What we're going to do for the remaining four Sundays starting this morning is talk more about the how. How do you help one another find and follow Jesus? Because as it turns out, God has given us some some tools, some key um, resources, if you will, some ways that we can help one another find and follow Jesus. He's given us one another, his people. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. He's given us his word, his message. We'll talk about next week. He's given us his spirit. We'll talk about that the following week. And lastly, he's given us his prize, the assurance that he will complete his work in us and lead us to eternity. All these things, if we sort of soak ourselves in these principles, We'll be well on our way to helping others find and follow Jesus. And so today we're going to start by looking at the importance of God's people. In other words, that we as a local church would be the kind of community um, that helps one another on this journey. What, What we're going to see today is that in order to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, who helps others find and follow Jesus, you need Christians in your life whose example you can imitate you need christians in your life whose example you can imitate imitation is a a deeply embedded part of human nature just kind of how god wired us have you ever noticed that right you ever caught yourself like saying and doing things and you're like i've never said that in my life oh that's like my best friend always talks that way you know that kind of thing you catch yourself imitating people sometimes without even realizing it, and that's an important teaching tool. Uh, a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to, on a short-term mission trip to South Sudan. It's a very rural part of that country uh, in the early 2000s. There was a lot of uh, war-torn fighting going on, a lot of poverty. And so these were a group of very, very young uh, church leaders who their education was limited because the educational opportunities were limited and they didn't really have the ability to travel outside their area to get more education or training. And so we had a chance to bring some of that to them. It was awesome. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I want to do that. So for a week, we had 80 guys sitting in this really long, it was a glorified hut, it was a church building, but thatched roof, um, wooden poles, mud walls, the whole thing, and for a week, these guys came from all over, and we just sat, and we were just teaching them all of these basic principles of church leadership, and uh, through translators, of course. A few of them spoke English. Most of them didn't. Of course, none of us spoke their tribal language, and one particular session I was teaching, they had been at it for a couple of days, you know, <clears throat> seven, eight hours a day. It had been a lot of work. They were eagerly taking notes, and so I presented for a while, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, Something like that. They'd been listening to me talk. They'd been writing down, and I sort of came to this very point in what I was teaching that that the importance of being in community where we can learn from others through imitation. And so I thought, well, rather than explaining it, why don't we demonstrate it? So here's what I did. I said, um, I need three volunteers. This is different, right? For what? I need three volunteers translator translates three guys like okay <clears throat> so they come up front suddenly everybody's paying attention what's going to happen right i said okay to the guys i was translating i said i just got one set of instructions just tell them to do whatever i do so he tells them and then he goes and he sits down and so these guys are like they're in front of 80 of their peers right <laughs> and um so i got up and i walked a circle just kind of around the front area I just walked a circle They dutifully lined up. It was like the best Simon Says game you've ever seen in your life. They got right behind me, they walked. They followed my gait, my swing of my arms. I said, good. And then I walked down the middle aisle and I'm walking past people and everybody's like, where's he going? And then I turn around and I walk backwards. I actually don't know how far back here I can go without ruining this microphone. We're gonna see. (laughs) And so they stop and they turn around and they're like, oh, you're looking at me. So then they turn around, they're walking backwards. Everybody's laughing, right? And then I walk out the back door and people can see us outside the windows. And I took off running. Fast as I could. I'm just sprinting. Hey, that worked. That was cool. I took off running. These guys are like, oh! So they start running. These guys have flip-flops on. They go flying, you know. This one guy stops. He has to run back and grab his sandal. He comes back in. We're, all, we're huffing and puffing. We get back to the front. And when I got to the front of the room, I just, I don't even remember what I did. I did some like crazy dance or something, you know. And... So they all look at me, and they're doing the crazy dance. Everybody's just roaring, you know, with laughter. So at the end of it, I finally said, okay, we can, whoa, that actually got me winded. That was cool. I said, we can all clap for you. Everybody clapped, and they sat down. Translator comes back up, and one of the guys that had followed me was in the front row, and I said, I just got one question. How did you know what to do? How did you know what to do? Like, I couldn't tell you. I don't speak your language. You don't speak mine. And the answer was obvious, right? He's like, (laughs) we just looked at what you were doing, and we imitated you. And the interesting thing was they imitated me to a T. The way I was walking, the way I was moving, the facial expressions I made, they picked up details that I didn't even know I was sending out, and they followed every one of them. You know, at that point, we didn't need a translator, did we? They could see what I was doing and follow it. That's what our passage this morning is talking about in 1 Corinthians: 10:31, to11:1. That's a single paragraph. It's one of those unfortunate places where there's a chapter break in the Bible that probably shouldn't be there. Uh, chapter 11, verse two should probably be chapter 11, verse one, but there we are. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn them to 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31 where the Apostle Paul, he starts out by saying, okay, he's trying to make this point, like discipling, following Jesus, it's a team sport. This is not something you do on your own. This is something we do together. He says whether you eat or drink, there's, there's more in the context. as is why he's talking about eating or drinking. Basically, he's saying all the decisions you make about how you're conducting yourself and what social rules you follow and don't follow, he says don't do it for yourself, because you're asserting your beliefs about how things should be, you do it so that God would be honored by the people around you. That's what he means when he says do everything for God's glory. That's God's reputation, God's, God's fame. How is God being seen? And so as a result, when we're trying to glorify God, we are always thinking about the people around us as well as god because we want them to see him that's what it means to give god glory so in verse 32 he not only says you do everything to god's glory and then he says give no offense to jews or to greeks or to the church of god in their first century context, that was a convenient way of putting people into major categories. There were Jews, which were roughly corresponding to religious people who were interested in God, but they weren't following Jesus, so they, they had a different religion, deeply spiritual people, but they didn't know Jesus. And then there were Greeks, which was kind of a catch-all term they used in the first century to talk about just the broader um, community, um, secular people, people who aren't deeply religious, they're just living their lives, Right? And then he talks about those who are actually inside the church. So I've got people who are part of my church. I've got people who are following God or trying to follow God through different religions. And then I've got other people who probably aren't religious at all. And he says, all three matter because I want all three to see God when they see me. So, the basic point he's instructing them in is this. Discipling is a team sport. How do you... Like, how do you, we're here to help people find and follow Jesus. Great, got the concept. How do you do that in the real world where there's so many people coming from so many different places? How do we sort out how to implement that in every case? And there the Bible gives an answer. You need a team, and you need role models. Verse 33, and, well, chapter 11, verse 1. Should be 34. He says, give no offense to all these different groups of people. And then he immediately points to himself, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. Now he explains, he's not talking about some like people pleaser. I'm trying to get people to like me. He says, I'm not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many so that they may be saved. What controls my life as a follower of Jesus? What controls my conduct, how I choose to act and behave? It is not me asserting my rights and my beliefs. It's me saying, who are you and how can I help you find and follow Jesus? I will change whatever I can if it gets me out of the way and helps you see Jesus more clearly. That's the mindset. In our last verse today, we get kind of the punchline. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You see, in order to make disciples, they needed models like the Apostle Paul whose example they could follow. They watched him interact with Jews and with Greeks and with people inside the church, and they were able to learn from his example. Oh, I could do that, I could do this. Because, you see, imitation is an important part of learning. Having received knowledge about Jesus, they now needed real-life examples of what it looked like to live that teaching out with real people in the real world in a variety of settings. In other words, they needed both instruction and modeling. We're going to talk about instruction next Sunday. That's where we hear about God's Word. We're going to talk about modeling today. We needed to, they needed to see the example of the instruction lived out. They needed to both learn truth as it was taught and to imitate examples of how it was applied. Because you see, God made us imitators by nature. As people, we are rational beings. We need to understand the whats and the whys behind what we do. But we are also practical beings who are wired to follow examples. Have you ever caught yourself doing or saying something your parents did, and you were you really irritated yourself for it? Anybody relate? <laughs> especially it's especially annoying when you're like oh i spent my whole life saying i would never do that my parents always said this my parents always did this my parents always treated us like kids this way and i just like vowed i would never do that and then you grow up and you're doing the same things you have kids and you're treating them the same way and you're like oh that was my dad talking not me where did that come from right It's not that we don't have control over our lives or that we can't make choices. It just illustrates the power of imitation. When you're around people for a long time in an environment, you pick up the vibe, you pick up the emotions, you pick up the value system, and you pick up the actions. This is part of how God designed us to function. That's how Jesus taught his own disciples, right? He didn't leave, you know, Peter and Andrew in their fishing boats, and Matthew in his tax-collecting booth, and just get them to agree to meet with him once a week at the Bethlehem Starbucks for an hour while he covered some material for them. That wasn't his disciple-making program. I mean, they, they left that stuff. They lived with him night and day for over three years. They saw how he slept, how he ate, how he prayed, how he organized his schedule, how he interacted with wide varieties of people who came from all kinds of different spiritual and religious backgrounds, and how he responded to numerous situation, all situations, all as things just sort of came up in the course of life. He did instruct them many times. There were numbers of times he sat down and said, I'm going to teach you something, take some notes, and they did. He also modeled for them what it meant to put that teaching into action. Now, this first century like rabbi-apprentice model is not sacred in and of itself. That's kind of how they did it in their culture. But, but it does emphasize the importance of making enough space in our schedules to do life with one another so that we can find models of Christian living to imitate. If you're at all interested or serious about following Jesus, you've got to To make space in your life to be in relationship with other people who are following Jesus better than you, so you can imitate and learn from them. We might put this a different way this aspect of human nature. You are who you're around. You are who you're around. That's stated in a little bit of an absolute sense, but there's a lot of truth there, right? There's a lot of truth there. And this is worth thinking about because the way that we process information and relationships has changed so radically in our country in the last just 20 to 30 years. It's worth reflecting on and thinking about, especially if you're like 20 or 30 years old or younger. You've never known anything different. Like if, you're, if you're constantly awash in social media for hours every day, you will typically find your anxiety shooting through the roof. Do you know there's studies that prove that that's true? That's not just anecdotal. And there's a number of reasons for that, one of which is that you'll find that your view of life is going to be shaped by those that you're around. And if everything is mediated through a few people on screens, you're going to pick up those values and you know a 20 year old tiktok star won't tell you how to connect with the heart of god when you're alone in your bedroom and you don't know what to do with what you're feeling only another christian who's been there can help you see how to handle that situation we need one another Only somebody who knows God and loves you can show you how to respond to that. This raises some interesting questions for us that are probably worth pondering. Regardless of where you sort of consider yourself at with with God and with Jesus this morning, even if you're new to Christianity and you're not a follower of Jesus, all the way to if you've been walking with Jesus for decades, one question that's obvious is, who are you imitating? And the answer can never be no one. If your answer is no one, you're self-deceived, and you should probably go back and start over. (laughs) You're imitating someone or some set of someone's who is it. Uh, Who are you around? Who are you seeing? What influences are you picking up? Whose phrases do you catch yourself saying when you weren't even necessarily planning to say it? Another question. How should this point, the fact that we need to be in relationship with other people to imitate, How should that point affect your media habits, what you watch, what you hear, particularly your social media habits? Movies, television, Internet, social media, they're here, they're not going away, they're not inherently evil, they're fraught with problems. We should be wise about how we interact with these tools. One more question. How does knowing that I need to be in relationship with other people if I'm going to really find and follow Jesus well, how does that impact the way that you're weighing your COVID infection risk against the risk of isolating yourself from other Christians? See, there's, there's real risk on both sides, though I'm not sure we pay as much attention to the risk over here as modern American Christians as we do pay attention to the risk over here those are questions that we all have to to answer those are decisions we each need to make friends if you're a follower of Jesus I think this passage would urge us to say how important am I weighing my need to be in relationship with other people helpful things to think about this passage tells us we need to imitate others who are following Christ so that we can become followers of Christ as well. We're not going to do it on our own. We're just not going to do it on our own. Now, if you, if you see that and if you agree with it, if you say, okay, I am a Christian, I believe the Bible is God's word, I should do this, you're probably going to run into several hurdles if you try to go about doing this. Now, there's a number of them, but I want to spend a few minutes touching on at least three of the big ones. Three of the big ones. One is you might run into either a false sense of humility or you might run into a false sense of arrogance, false views of it, or you might just run into human pride. Let's look at each of these for a moment because the Bible addresses them as well. If you say, I want to go invest myself and and find other people that I can be in relationship with and imitate, you might run into, first of all, a false sense of humility, a misunderstanding of what humility is. Think of these as sort of like hurdles that have to be overcome. You may or may not run into this particular hurdle personally, but these are pretty common ones. They're worth considering. This is sort of the idea of somebody saying or thinking, you know, I could never serve as like a role model for somebody else. I mean give me a break I haven't arrived <laughs> I mean it's okay for Jesus to say that he should be a model because you know he is God in human flesh he gets a pass right maybe it's even okay for the apostle Paul here in in 1 Corinthians 11 1, to say imitate me as I imitate Christ because I mean at least you know he was the apostle Paul right he wrote more than half of the new testament he's like a super Christian whatever that means but whatever, whatever he was, like, that's not me. I could never say to somebody else, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm, I'm way too humble for that. I think this is a really common hurdle. Honestly, any Christian, any age can trip over this hurdle. But I will say, if you're, oh, say, my age or older, you might be particularly susceptible to this hurdle. All of us boomers and busters and Gen Xers out there, yay, right? Because of the way that generationally we've just been taught to think about who's up front and what they have to have and how much of their act they have to have together, you know, never let them see you cry, right? Be successful. Never show your vulnerabilities and weaknesses. That gets so baked into our thinking sometimes that we're like, I could never do that because, you know, that's just not for me. I don't have it all together. You know, the interesting thing is that the Apostle Paul didn't have it all together either, and he was really happy to admit it. He was upfront about it. We just looked at this passage a couple weeks ago in Philippians chapter 3. He says, look, I have not already obtained, he's talking about spiritual maturity, I've not already obtained it, nor am I already complete or perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You see, he's saying, I am not a complete, perfect Christian by any means. And I'm the first guy who knows it. But you know what? Then he says a couple of verses later, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, the same thing. Brothers, join in imitating me. Join in imitating me. Not because I have it all together, but because I'm somebody who is running hard after Jesus and you need role models. If you want to run hard after Jesus, imitate me, not because I have it all together, but because my example can encourage you and motivate you in your faith. He says something else interesting in that passage too. This idea of like maybe um, this imitation thing only being for super Christians. By the way, that's a category that doesn't exist in the Bible. Sometimes it exists in the minds of church people, but wherever that idea is coming from, that there's like, regular Christians and super Christians. It's not coming from the Bible. We're all on a pathway toward maturity and we're at different points on that pathway, but there is no such thing as a super Christian. In fact, in verse 17 of Philippians 3, he not only says, join in imitating me, he also says, keep your eyes on others who walk according to the example you have in us. You see the point the Bible's making? This isn't just a Jesus and Paul thing. This is Paul who learned Jesus from Jesus and then taught what it's like to follow Jesus to others, who then teach what it's like to follow Jesus to others, and this learning and modeling chain goes on and on and on. He says, don't just follow me. Follow other people in your own church who are on the same path I'm on. You need those role models in your life to imitate We should also realize that people learn a great deal from our victories and our successes. That's how you love your wife well. That's how you function well as a mom in that stressful situation. You know, people need to see examples of our victories, but they also learn as much from how we handle our failures and our sins as they learn from watching us when we're strong. You see, modeling Jesus isn't just for those that have achieved some mythical, like, elite status. You guys are the frequent flyers, the platinum club, right? You guys go serve as models. The rest of you can't do it. No, no. every Christian has something another Christian can learn from if we're only willing to open our lives up to one another. Even if you just became a Christian this morning, you know the gospel because you just responded to it, and you can share that with somebody who doesn't know it. You see, refusing to serve as a model for others is not humility. It's probably more like disobedience. Imitate me. Keep your eyes on others who do the same. Because, see, modeling spirituality for others, modeling our following of Jesus for others, is not about you and what you have or haven't achieved. That has nothing to do with it, it is about them and how you can serve them as they take a step forward in finding and following Jesus. That is the mind of Christ who came after us. That's the mindset of a disciple-making Christian. Could it be that we don't make disciples at the rate we probably should because we simply don't let people into our journey? Letting people in on your journey is one of the most powerful ways... You can help somebody find and follow Jesus. There are typically way more people in a church who are wanting models of other Christians to follow than there are people in the church who are willing to be those models. It would be awesome if our church were different, a group full of people who don't have it all together, but we're willing to connect with people where they're at, share our experiences, and help them find and follow Jesus. I spent a little more time in this first hurdle because the second hurdle is just kind of actually the flip side of the same coin. Sometimes we can come at this whole imitation thing with a false sense of what humility really is. The other side is we can come at it with a false sense of arrogance, right? That's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, a false sense of arrogance. This might be where you, you look at a command like this, you know, imitate me, and we say, man, how arrogant do you have to be to write something like that? Seriously? Here I am, everybody. Check me out. Do what I do. You got to be pretty full of yourself to stand in front of a whole group of people and say that. That is arrogant. Like, I don't think Christians should ever have so high a view of themselves that they would say that. And once again, just like the last one, I mean, anybody can trip over this hurdle. Although I will say if you're, oh, say, my age and younger, you might be particularly disposed to this. All of you lovely millennials and awesome Gen Zers, you know, so much of how your generations tend to think is like, nobody should be higher than, than anybody else. Nobody should put on airs. We all have to be equals. Like there can't be anybody above anybody else. And we're just so allergic to that, that sometimes like our, um, our, our arrogance meter, if you will, gets super finely tuned, super finely tuned and, and anytime time. Anybody says anything that sniffs like it might be they think they have something to teach me. Ooh, something just goes up inside you. Be honest with yourself. When you read that 1 Corinthians 11:1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is there something in you that just goes hmm? Two things real quick. If so, you're not alone. A lot of people struggle with this. I've had numerous conversations with lots of members of our church about this very verse this past week. You're not alone. Secondly, question though, where is that coming from? When the Bible says that imitating one another should be normal, what's the resistance coming from? It might be a false sense of what's arrogant. You see, we make a mistake if we think that people should follow us because we are so great. But we've already seen this from Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Don't follow me because I'm great. Don't imitate me because I've got it all together. Imitate me because that's the only way you learn what it means to live like a Christian in the real world. <laughs> You've got to follow somebody. And I was given Jesus, and I am passing Jesus on to you. You learn Jesus by watching other people follow Jesus. And then they teach other people to follow Jesus as people watch them. That's how it works. You can think of it like an anchor keeping a ship uh, anchored in place in the midst of a huge violent storm. Way deep down there on the ocean floor, that anchor is what's holding you. That anchor is like Jesus himself. He's God in human flesh. He's the one we need to hold on to. But there's nobody on the ship that has a direct hold on the anchor. The ship is connected to the anchor through what? That was a real question. Chain, which is made up of what? Links. How many? One, two? Lots. Now, The links are only as good as their ability to connect to the anchor. The anchor is what holds the ship in place. But I tell you what, if you don't have those links, you don't have a connection to the anchor. You sever that chain, and the anchor can be awesome, rock solid. The boat's going away. What I think Scripture is modeling for us is this idea that we learn Christ, yes, by hearing him taught, but then by connecting with people who know what it's like or figuring out what it's like to follow him and imitating them and then turning around and keeping the chain going. It isn't arrogance for somebody to say, follow me as I imitate Christ. It's just an acknowledgement that we're all links in a chain that points to Jesus, and we've got to be connected to the next link, because it's a chain that goes all the way back to Christ himself. Don't imitate me because of me, Paul says. Imitate me as I seek to imitate Christ himself. Acknowledge that this is particularly difficult because the, the trouble with links in this chain of following Jesus is that they're all human and therefore sinful and therefore they will let you down at some point. And it's particularly difficult if you have depended on or looked up to somebody as maybe a spiritual mentor or somebody you just appreciated and wanted to learn from and then after a while they let you down. Maybe they tanked their faith and walked away. Maybe they hurt you personally in some way that kind of disappointment that kind of pain is really hard to get over i understand that that's legit it often leaves people saying you know what church is messed up people are messed up i'm done with church it's just me and jesus from now on i understand the impulse i really do but when I look at the Bible, I don't think that's the way God set it up. You don't reach down under the water and hold on to the anchor yourself. It's connected through a chain. Some of those links rust out and break. It's very disorienting. But if I can encourage you, find another less rusty link, take the risk, and connect to it again. Because that's how we learn Christ, not alone in our own little room, with our own little Bible studies and our own mountaintop experiences with Jesus. We can learn some good things there, but we need to see what it means to follow Jesus in enfleshed in the life of other people. They're sinners. There's always risk involved in relationships. But by God's grace, that's how he made it to work. So one last hurdle. It's maybe the biggest of them all. And it's a hurdle of sinful pride. There's a hurdle of maybe a wrong view of humility and a wrong view of arrogance, but this third hurdle is sinful pride, and let's just say right out, this one's universal. (laughs) This has nothing to do with what generation you're part of or what your past experience has been. This is human nature. Sinful human pride. In fact, this one probably lies underneath the other two. This is really kind of a root one. You see, pride is, the way the Bible defines it, it's when I'm, my whole world is sort of oriented around me. That's what I'm doing. I'm living for me. I'm about me, ultimately. And this kind of sinful pride, which is in all of us, sometimes makes us not seek to invest in others because, you know, we're comfortable with our existing friends. <laughs> I have what I need. It's all about me. So I don't even see people around me, much less want to make time for them. Other times, pride makes us not open up our lives to new people because we're afraid we'll fail and we'll look foolish. In other words, I'm concerned about how I look. It's all about me, so I just won't do it. Hopefully, somebody else will take care of it. And you know what? Sometimes pride makes us not look for people to imitate because we don't want to look like we have something to learn. We don't want to look like somebody who needs to be taught. In other words, we want to be seen as having arrived. It's pride, once again. But I love the last four words of our passage this morning. Hebrews, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 11.1. As I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. so the anchor is Jesus, the ultimate model is Jesus. So when we're imitating Jesus, what kinds of things are we doing? Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus himself said that he came, God in human flesh, deserving of all obedience and worship, and yet he did not come in human flesh to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm struck by how foreign that pattern of thinking is to my real-world thought process as I go throughout my day. What about you? You see, what Jesus meant was this. This this is the good news of of the Bible, the gospel that there's this barrier between me and God. It's my own sin. I've rebelled against him, and I cannot get back to him, and he comes himself to take care of my sin problem, and he did that at tremendous cost to himself. He had to become a man, limit himself to finite human life, suffer, bleed, and ultimately die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin for us. That's the only way we were going to be united with God. And so he, the one who should have been served and worshipped, became the servant. He laid his life down to give us what we need because of his love. Friends, if you're with us this morning and you're not sure where you're at with God or you're trying to figure God out, let me encourage you, this, according to the Bible, is where life begins. This is where life begins, by recognizing what Christ has done for us, not what we can do for him to be good men and women, but what Christ has done for us in receiving that gift. If you have more questions about what that looks like or how that works, I'd encourage you to talk to a Christian maybe that you came to church with today, or you can always talk with us here at Harvest Community Church. Fill out a connection card, give us a call. We would be delighted to help you find and begin to follow Jesus. This is where life begins. Now, members of Harvest Community Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, those of us who may have already started that journey with Jesus in our past, the journey begins there. It does not end there. It begins there. As your life is shaped by Jesus, you increasingly become the kind of person who's always wondering, how can I lay myself out for the good of others? that just becomes the natural way you think the more you imitate Christ. You start to to see the joy of washing people's feet, so to speak, as Jesus did literally in John chapter 13, taking the place of a servant to serve and humble himself before his own followers. And they're like, you can't do this to us. And he's like, I have to. If I don't serve you, you got nothing. How can I lay myself out for the good of other people so that people see God in me more than they see me in me? Do my actions and my attitudes and my social media posts draw attention to me and who I am, or are they drawing attention to God? As C.S. Lewis put it so artfully, humility isn't so much thinking less about yourself, you just think about yourself less because you're so consumed with who God is. How can I give of my life to make space so that you can see God in me for your own good and his glory? You see, the gospel of Jesus is the only cure for this sinful pride. It's the only cure. We need hearts changed by the sacrifice of our Savior. And friends, when a church becomes a community, of people that is imitating christ focusing on one another it is a beautiful thing to behold when you have a group of people who are always thinking like how can i make space to be involved in each other's lives it's glorious to behold i love the way some of the members of our church do this on a regular basis it challenges me to think beyond just serving and volunteering Sometimes my wife teaches Sunday school and it's like, how can I get to know the kids and get to know the parents and not just how can I fill a slot and do my part once a month on a Sunday morning? And then there's relationships with kids and parents that take place after that because the serving is not a way to just volunteer. The serving is a way to connect with people. It happens when you see something like our trunk or treat coming up. Can I just help out the church? Or can I be with people and create a fun experience together? Then next week when I see you in the atrium, I could say, oh, you were the one dressed like a scarecrow. Wasn't that fun? Let's connect. Let's be involved with one another. Besides, we'll have members of our community showing up that may never come into this building on a Sunday morning right now unless you meet them and connect with them and they realize that you care. It's some families who hang out here on Sunday mornings with their kids because they got to eat, so they bring some snacks instead of rushing home and they hang out in the atrium and talk together. Kids got to be fed, but how can we use that to springboard and be in relationship? It's guys after our last men's breakfast uh, back at the beginning of this month a couple of weeks ago who said, hey, the men's breakfast is over. I just met so-and-so. He and I are going to go out and grab lunch. I just want to get to know him. Giving more of my Saturday for another person to build relationships. Because we need people in our lives who are following Jesus so that we can imitate them. in order to find and follow Jesus, we need other role models we can follow. Let me wrap this up by going back to some of those questions we asked earlier. I encourage you to think about these. Talk with somebody else about them today. Family members, friends, maybe in your small groups. Who are you imitating? Who are you imitating? Whether you are doing that consciously or not. Uh, what, what influences are you listening to? What, what blogs and radio programs and, and social media feeds are you following that are shaping your response to the world around you? And then another question, what, if anything, prevents you from seeking other people to imitate or seeking to be imitated by others? What prevents you or holds you back from investing your life in other members of your church and people in your sphere of influence outside this church so that they can see Jesus in you? What are those barriers? I want to ask the worship team to come back up here. They're going to lead us in a musical response. And as they come back up, I just want to encourage us, wherever we're at right now, on a scale of one to ten with Jesus, like I don't even have a relationship with Jesus or I've been walking with him for a long time. Either way, how do you take a step forward in finding and following him this morning? These songs that we're going to sing are, are a response. They're a way for us as a congregation to sing God's truths together and say, yes, we agree with those and to invite God to shape us. So let's enter this time of singing with an open heart and open hands to hear from God. He's the one who laid down his life for you. He has your best in mind. Let's hear from him now. Would you stand, please, as we sing to our Lord as a church?